hello and welcome. I'm your host, Jonathan Anderson. Hey, wait a second. I liked it last time. My favorite clip of all of our podcasts is when we're going high energy and you go, you start going, Lunace, Lunace, Lunace. <laughs> uh, yeah. Listening just, back, that may be my favorite podcast moment yet. <laughs> yeah. One just, of them. It just came Monday, to my mind. Monday, Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I just, even though we were broadcasting on Sunday evening. <laughs> well, I was hoping to be posted on Lunace, so. Okay. Uh, I am the associate... Uh, community manager for Zion Bound. And joining me tonight <laughs> is David. He is our resident chaplain. I don't want to be the chaplain. That means my m- people expect me to be more serious or reverent. Uh, all right. We don't, we don't have a chaplain. Okay. Can I be the, I'll be the anti-chaplain. All right. And also joining me is Aaron Rhodes. Hey. He is the senior, what would it be, webmaster for Zionbound? Yeah, senior webmaster. That's right. Okay. Well, I'll be the junior webmaster. Right. You can be junior webmaster. All right. And you have a password. Because I have the password. Yes, so. you do have the password. <laughs> and uh, missing, tonight, one time. Uh, missing tonight is Jeff Anger, master of arms at Zionbound. I'm not sure what else he does, actually. <laughs> he introduces us every night. Yeah. Oh. So he's just a he's a figurehead. <laughs> his his <laughs> duties like the, at Zionbound are purely ceremonial. <laughs> like the Queen of England. Exactly. And, and you can quote David on that. Jeff is like the Queen of England. <laughs> in, in more ways than one. <laughs> okay. So tonight, although we are coming a week late, we do want to talk about Father's Day. So uh, what we decided on was to discuss... King Benjamin's uh, sign-off speech. And since there was quite a bit of leadership in that discussion, in that address, we, we thought we could extrapolate quite a bit as to how he ruled, um, ruled the land and how he raised his children. So if you would like to join us, this can be found in Mosiah. And we'll just kind of drill down through this speech and, and see what we get. Well, one thing that I, I found interesting uh, about fathers is uh, the bonding experience that Alma, ha- Alma the Younger had with his kids, uh, going out on a missionary trip with them. Um, I say it's a bonding experience. I, I think it would have been uh, really cool uh, in that situation. Now, um, he kind of gets after one of them later, but you know, I still think it was a, I, th- I still think it was a good deal uh, going out with his sons and, and doing that. I mean, it's it's not like playing baseball or um, you know going out to dinner with your dad, but it's it's a, it's doing something that's meaningful um, with your dad that uh, that that is also instructional. I mean, certainly his kids learned a lot from that trip. I, I think the lesson there is that so many times in the stories and in the lives of uh, ourselves and people we know, there's. A lot of us have times in life where we fall away or, or go down paths that we had not necessarily intended to go down. But for those that find their way back, so many times it has to do with the relationship they had with both their father and, and their mother and the example that was set for them and the foundation that was grounded for them. Doing such things as, you know, like what Alma did with his sons on their missionary trip, but having meaningful experiences with, with their father and what a role that can play, especially in sons, uh, for sons trying to figure out what kind of man they're going to be when they grow up and the type of person they want to be. Uh, the, the natural person to look to is your father and mm-hmm. become, uh, become like the example that your father was for you. You know, the, um, culturally, uh, fathers have played different roles throughout time. And uh, one of the examples that I think of is, you know, like Abraham and uh, basically went 
quite a distance to another whole country, leaving the rest of his family. Now, this was after his father had died, uh, it appears. Uh, well, I, I say it, it is. Um, but th there seemed to be a little bit um, less tight coupling between families. Um, you know, and, and for example, um, you look at Jacob and his sons, his, his 12 sons, um, his sons were out watching the, the cattle, you know, just before Joseph gets sold into slavery. So Joseph goes to look for him, but it's quite a, it's quite a distance. In fact, he, uh, I'd have to go look, but it seems like it was a couple day journey to find the, the sons, the brothers, excuse me. So, you know, in some of this, in the Old Testament especially, uh, there's like this more wide out, widespread out area that a family kind of covered. And uh, it, you, you didn't necessarily see your dad every day. What do you think about the church's policy? Even I'm talking about like um, late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, the church uh, sending out their pointies and missionaries for extended periods of time, leaving the families behind. And like Mark Forscut, Forscut, Forscut. Forget, I think that's right. Force cut. Charles Derry. If you read Albert A. Smith's uh, *The Little Brown Cottage*, I think is what it's called. Um, there are just stories of these missionaries that go out, and the families are dependent upon other church members while the fathers are gone from home. And I, I remember th that's just a long time for a father to be called away from his family. You, I mean, I, I get he's in the service of God and, and doing what he was called to do, but um, don't you think that had to have an effect on the kids, like not having their father around for such extended periods of time? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I would say under ideal conditions that the wife and the children would recognize the sa sacrifice that they would make to enable their father to do the work of the Lord under ideal conditions. And also with those ideal conditions that the church would then provide for them and then also act in lieu of the father you know to, to be whatever examples that they could but can you see like if the, if the mother didn't play her cards just right you could see the children growing up really resenting the church for taking their father absolutely. away for such extended periods uh -huh. of time absolutely well i wouldn't i would say that it would be hard for any other gentleman to replace a father for a child i mean they could they, were, they could replace the father figure quote unquote quote unquote mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. they're not going to replace that bond that the child has with their father no and i completely agree and so it, there's there's a there's something to to be said about that, um, you know. One way of one way that you could see that is uh, a man might be considering, am I willing to trade the relationship with my children for uh, the potential of saving souls? And that that'd be a tough choice. Well, it would be. It would be. I mean, you think about it and. That, that one of the greatest things you can do in this life is bring souls to Christ. And I, I've always felt personally that I should always worry about my kids first, that those are the souls I need to worry about first rather than somebody else. Perhaps that is selfish on my part, but I feel that that's a responsibility as a parent. Well, so you're, you're saying that all things being equal, saving three souls was, is better than saving a hundred souls or a thousand souls. I mean, I'm just guessing. If you have 2.5, <laughs> let's round up to three kids. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I, I would have to ask myself when I see that stranger in heaven that says, hey, you saved me, and I 
don't see my daughter there because she's turned her back on on god you know where does that leave me yeah i mean am i gonna look at it from a numbers perspective and be like hey heidi i got i got a hundred that's worth it that's gotta be worth something yeah Yeah, i think that when you become a father for for me when when i chose to become a father i i took upon a stewardship specifically for that child for Mm -hmm. that soul Mm -hmm. and and if i were to be able to take a trip that would promise a salvation from whatever god might be able to do for 100 people to a thousand people i don't know that i would make that trade for my children i don't know that that and, and you know you can't just because you go on a missionary trip doesn't mean that you're going to lose your children it, you know mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. one or the other but um it's, it's well like, especially when god equalizes it and says that you're the same to me i mean that that i don't know would he look at it in percentages you know like one or a hundred would he he left the 99 to go get one that's true yeah, because but what, that one but was he still leave the one to get the 99 I mean, that's the question we're at asking. that's true would he leave the one to go get 99 I well I, I mean I think we all certainly you cannot be a Christian without with it for any extended period of time without knowing someone who has fallen away or, or left the church or lost their faith whatever that might be in and they and undoubtedly have family that were left behind and you know I, I I worship with families that have children that are no longer active and I'm not yet to the point in my life where my children are making those decisions but I just that ha- I, I feel that has to be something that weighs on them and and I can only imagine um, the thought process of could I have done this should I have done this what if I'd have done this that, that goes through people's minds and you know I guess that comes along with the, the stewardship of being a, a parent and being a father and um, I, I know I caused my father <laughs> many hours of, of probably concern and grief for, for decisions that I've made but um, it just you know to become a father is not it's not all uh, cookies and ice cream well, sometimes it's business. Sometimes it's difficult. And, you know, I think that that just helps me appreciate my father even more uh, to know not necessarily all the good times that we've had together, because you can have good times with a lot of people, but uh, to have a father is someone that will be with you even through the worst of times. In your worst moments, someone that can still love you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, when you see those instances of leadership, that you got to do it. Yeah. You know, no, no matter what the circumstance. I got a job to do, and it's be your dad. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Uh, we heard a, uh, in a sermon this morning, the speaker was talking about the parable of the prodigal son. And um, kind of in his own words was, and I, I, I wish I had the sound clip to get it exactly how it was presented, but it was something to the extent of, you know, the father, when when the son squanders all the wealth and a lifetime of, of uh possessions and, and what's the word the um, inheritance. inheritance that the father wanted to give his son and you know his son goes away squanders that and then finally has the realization that he can come home and become a servant to his father so I mean this is the best case situation for him now is to become a servant and so he begins coming home and when the servant uh, of the father sees the son returning home uh, you know the father had the opportunity to look out there and say there's my son that has squandered everything that, he, that I've ever wanted to give to him and squandered the best of the possessions that I could provide for him and I wonder what in the world would he want right now, uh, but instead his his reaction was just the opposite of that, mm-hmm. and um, I think that really encapsulates the love of a father, um, ideally, and I think that uh, we can see that with how God has treated us to His grace and allowing us to come back through the rocky roads. That a lot of it. <laughs> there's another ice cream reference. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're hungry. I'm hungry, <laughs> but but no matter where we've been, that uh, that God's always there. 
uh, waiting for us and, and welcomes us with open arms, not to berate us over our bad decisions, but to, to love us uh, for our love us through our worst times for what little we might be able to offer. And I, that's, that's something very special for a father to be able to do that. You know, we, we had talked about starting off in the Book of Mormon. Maybe we'll get back there. Oh, yeah, we will. But, uh, you know, the one of the things in the Book of Mormon that I, I appreciated, but it is an indirect reference to the, the, the influence that fathers had on their kids was the, the sons of Helaman who went out to battle to preserve or protect their parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't imagine... Um, kids, I mean, they make references to the things that their mothers taught them, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine um, the the bravery, the strength, the uh, force of will that they demonstrated as having been solely communicated through their mothers. Uh, I think that it was an equal communication through their fathers. That their fathers had played a strong role in their lives. They, I don't, I just, um, I think that that is a is a good indirect reference to. Um, Father shaping their sons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They only wanted to put, essentially put themselves on the line to protect their families. Okay. Well, uh, back to King Benjamin. Uh, one of the first things he starts off with that I think it speaks a lot to the way he raised his children was uh, in the first chapter he says that neither have I suffered ye that ye should be committed to, de- to confined in dungeons nor that you should make slaves of one another, or that you should murder, plunder, or steal, or commit adultery. So, so what we're saying is he didn't put his kids in the dungeon. Right. He didn't make them slaves. Awesome. He didn't tolerate murder, or plunder, or stealing. See, this is, this is where he was a much better dad than Adam. It's, <laughs> I think I it's time for me to realign my uh, parenting values. I feel like I might be off course given this. <laughs> um, this is enlightening. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean... It, we would look at that and say, well, duh. But, I mean, at the same time, you know, to, to address, uh, to address uh, a nation of people, you would have to think that he would say some of these things to his kids. Yeah. You know, I think another, um, another thing we can learn from King Benjamin uh, as, a, as a parent was, the, was what we see in the life of Mosiah, his son. You know, so many of the kings, you know, when, we, when you read about in the Bible or in the Book of Mormon, the, the title of king is passed from father to son, but the son just goes to excess. I mean, just almost destroys the kingdom when he takes mm-hmm. over. Um, because, and I, I presume because he lived in the lap of luxury, he, he got accustomed to being um, revered and, and making snap decisions, but isn't, you know, it wasn't as kind and gracious as his father was, and so kingdom really suffers under the sun many many times um, but Mosiah you don't see that you see ba- almost an identical rule as his father and that's that's I think a very uh, loud testament to the way that King Benjamin raised his son you know we our perspective the three of us we come from we all have good relationships with our fathers our fathers have all been good influences for us and good examples for us and you know the story we read here King Benjamin and providing a good example and, and having a good example set for him but you know there there are young men young women in this world whose fathers were uh, a severe detriment to them and mm-hmm. not only in their spiritual walk but just 
maybe abusive uh, a number of things and so it's I think it's a I think it's impressive that some people can can find their way their their spiritual walk in this life without having I, I think of how important my father's example was to me and how is it that these people can can find their way without having that uh, provided for them you know that's a that is a good observation because um you know, every once in a while, maybe it's more common than I realize, but every once in a while, you know, this idea is kind of floated out there. Well, how do we know God's a man? And, uh, you know, because you know, God could really be any gender, so to speak, according to this argument. Well, it's interesting that, you know, I just take it for granted um, because, I guess, of the, the role my father played and how that has shaped my view of God. But you're right. I mean, it's really intriguing. Um, how God really kind of steps in and fills the gap for those who've who've had poor examples for fathers, um, and and helps them still come to a relationship with Him. There's a book. There's a very popular book. It's should I say the name of the book? It would, I don't want to spoil it. Should we give a spoiler alert? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll give you a spoiler. Uh, this is a spoiler alert. Um, the book is called The Shack. The Shack. Did you guys read The Shack? I have not read The Shack. Who's a buy? Not important. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we'll I'm too find ADD. it. We'll find it and get it. Um, do you want me to give this? I mean, if I don't care, spoil it. Um, the story of the shack is uh, this man is out on a camping trip with his children. Um, his daughter. He loses his daughter in a, a moment. Something happens. He's out in the lake. He turns around. She's gone. So he's in the woods trying to find her, and he happens upon this shack. And when he goes inside, this it becomes a spiritual uh, moment. You know, it's it's a fictitious. Uh, a, work of fiction and uh, all of a sudden he encounters God and he encounters the, the Trinity as three separate entities but God shows up to him in the shack as a, an uh, elderly black lady is God and so the whole book goes this way and uh, he has a, a spiritual journey where he begins to realize the, the hurt that he went through in his life and, and it's, it's more of a spiritual journey and, um, than it is actually hunting down his, his daughter it turns into something that's more about him um, at the end of the book, you you realize a lot of people closed that book at the moment that God was referred to as an elderly black lady. <laughs> if you press through it, you get to uh, toward the end. You find out why the author went that route. Whether you agree with it or not, um, the reason the author went that route, you find out that the father had uh, the father in this book had a a terrible relationship with his father. His father was abusive. His father beat his mom. His father did. I mean. Any bad thing that you can think that a father would do, this man's father did to him and his family. And so throughout his life, he had had a problem spiritually recognizing God as a father because he had no father figure in his life. And so according to this book, God appeared to him as an elderly black lady so that he would be able to interact with God in that sense. And then at the end of the book, he begins to see God as a heavenly father. So it was more of a, a lesson in God appearing to us in ways that we recognize Him and can accept Him, uh, but there are there are those out there that uh, believe that that notion is blasphemous from the get go, and, and that this book should probably be burned uh, for for insinuating such. But you know that's that's what takes me back to this idea of of people being able to find God the Father uh, as opposed to a burning bush. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe that is difficult for some people. I don't know. 
But the, the interesting, the, this book got a lot of notoriety. It was written by a, a guy that he's got no, he just, he was a father trying to write a book for his kids. He had no professional writing experience, mm-hmm. no theological mm-hmm. degrees. He was just a guy. And it all of a sudden hit the New York bestsellers and became very popular. And, and now he's laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> laughing to the bank. <laughs> and he was convinced to publish his book. And apparently for him, that has turned out to be a good idea. So, should, I mean, is there any, um, do we find any redeeming value from the stories in the Bible that where fathers were not good fathers? Yeah. I mean, is there anything good we can take from those? I mean. Aside from Lot? Well, okay, so. I mean, number one, he's living in Psalm Gomorrah. He knows what it's like there. He could have easily moved anywhere else beforehand. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know the reasoning as to why he stayed there. But, but consider this, he was one of the, the righteous, so to speak, that That's right. the angels extricated. So he, he, but have some he, found a way, <laughs> he found a way to be righteous among Sodom and Gomorrah. That's impressive. Uh, maybe. But, but we're judging him to be a bad father by omission, not by anything that we actually find <laughs> written in the scripture about him being a... Except for the... Uh, okay, well, that's yeah. true. That's no omission, but... And to sweeten the deal, I think in some in some uh, versions he says, on top of that, they have not been touched. Yeah. I think that's the way the story goes. Yeah, they're a virgin. Mm-hmm. Which then later on, there's a incident involving alcohol. Yeah, that's. But you you have to say that was not him his parenting. It was. Well, let me ask you this: girl's choices. When you drink alcohol for the first time, do you say, "Huh"? This doesn't taste right, but I'm going to keep drinking it until I get drunk. Like, well, at, at what point does he does he get tricked? And because I th- I think it's this. I should just look this up. But I I think that they 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 basically it, drug him with alcohol. Well, he, yeah, he gets drunk and he passes out. But you know, um, at that point in the scripture, there is no injunction against getting drunk. Hmm. So, so what you're what you're saying is God makes the rules as He goes along. Um, I, I'm saying that it would, it would be a little not, bit difficult you don't have to, to say. Just, that's just an inflammatory comment. Sure, I'm just kidding. I think I think it would be a little bit difficult to say that um, that He was knowingly uh, committing an, uh, a sin because Moses had not given the, the His commandments yet, uh, the Ten Commandments, which don't include the dietary law, much less the dietary law that followed. Um, nor was there the Nazarene code or any of these other codes that included getting drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He wasn't really doing anything in violation of any of those commandments. They hadn't come along yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me see. I'm sure that we can think of some other not-so-great dads in the, in the Bible. <laughs> oh, there, there's a few. Um, I don't know. For some reason, Lot always comes to my mind. Well, um, Reuben, uh, the son of... Jacob, one of the tribe, tribes of Israel, he did some things that weren't uh, necessarily great. He did stick up for Joseph, though. He did stick up for Joseph. This is true. Uh, that was good on him for that. But uh, And on a side note, in an audio fiction I heard, uh, Simeon was the one that actually plotted to kill him, which is why Joseph tossed him in the jail. <laughs> it would make perfect sense. I mean, it, <laughs> but, uh, it was payback. But it doesn't. Uh, it it, it never says that, so yeah, that, that's historical back. fiction. <laughs> yeah, but it makes sense. It'd be like, yeah, you're the one who wanted to kill me. Well, you're going to jail. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few. I mean, 
Saul wasn't an especially great uh, father figure. Although, by all evidences, he treated Jonathan well. Sure. Um, Sure. There, but I mean, Jacob. I mean, just if you look at Jacob, he he showed favoritism among his children. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not say that that's a great trait in a dad. Especially from the second um, wife. Unless you're, unless you're the, unless the you're last of Rachel. No, not the last. The second of Rachel's children. The second the last. Is that right? Uh, he was the first of Rachel's children, Joseph. Oh, was there only two? Yeah, Rachel? Joseph and Benjamin. Oh, only two okay. Because I, I, I know it's, somebody missed Sunday school this somebody morning. Somebody missed I know, because somebody <laughs> had to do audio this morning. <laughs> it was exactly what we talked about, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, here's an. I mean, this is kind of. It's the same thing. So we'll just go with it. Uh, Another a good fatherly slash husband um, story that always stands out to me is uh, the prophet um, Hosea or Hosea, yeah, Hosea, 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 because um, we'll just say it because that's that's the way this goes. There's no way to get around it. God instructs him to marry a a uh, woman of ill repute. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and, for, for the younger listeners, yeah. you don't need to ask your parents about this for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, and so there, there's some falling out in their marriage, and he has to, on I think more than one occasion, go back and, and get her because yep. she's she's off doing other things. Um, but he remains he, he he remains true as a husband and a father and raises children. That could, in fact, m- might not be his. I mean, mm-hmm. that that that. That's true. That's that's always there. It, it could have always been in the back of his mind. This might not be my child, but I don't have any evidence in the book to the contrary that he didn't raise those children. Right. And that actually brings me to another, maybe the best uh, the best example we have is Joseph mm-hmm. with Mary. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how I would reconcile that in my mind. That my my wife would come up and say, "Listen, this is really weird, but I'm pregnant, <laughs> and it's not yours. It's but well, back up. Well, it'd be your fiance coming right, up, right? Right, right. My fiance at the yeah. time, and then and then just to go along with it and say, "Okay, mm-hmm. we'll do this." And I, I think that is that is a true instance of leadership tremendous example of father so anyway uh back to king benjamin uh one of the other things that stuck out to me you, you want to say something? no no i think i i we're we're jumping away from your king benjamin several times tonight but i'm glad you keep yeah well we'll, 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 we'll do our it. best to stay on course <laughs> you uh, ready to get him off again oh yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is another thing that i like and it concerns uh respect um because what he does is he talks about how God has created you. Well, he's and again he's addressing his people. He said that God's created you, and He's granted you life, and for that you will always be in His debt. And then he says, um, to basically, it, when I read it, you're always supposed to do what God says too. That's what you do because you're in debt to God. And so, I, and I think that's a good thing to to pass on as a father. Um, because as as and we've touched on it already that that our our dads they'll uh, we, we we recognize the sacrifice the sacrifice and the leadership that they showed and so as a father and I see what it takes to raise a child that um, I see that 
as children, we are in debt to our parents. I mean, would you agree? I mean, yeah, but I think you can work that off after about 20 years. You could. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I still bum food off my parents, so. Well, you might be going deeper in debt, but. Uh... <laughs> okay. But, I mean, sometimes you got to get out, of, out from debt, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I guess until you're changing their diapers, you're not, you're not really out, out from under the debt. <laughs> yeah, until they're getting me up, you know, several times a night. Uh-huh. Of course, thankfully, I, I am past that. I'm past that. Uh, you past uh, the diapers? No, past getting up oh. at all hours of the night. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully both. I've got a story of another bad father. I've got right. another story of a good father. Do go. you? You yeah. should we bounce you them out? You go first. Okay. Yeah, go. Um, how about Akish in the fourth chapter of Ether? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, verse 8. And it came to pass that Akish began to be so jealous of his son, therefore he shut him up in prison and kept him with little or no food until he had suffered death. And now the brother of him that suffered death was angry with his father because of that which his father had done unto his brother. And it said that he gathered a group of people together and went to battle against his father. And this battle eventually took the lives of nearly all of the people of the kingdom in verse 13. Uh, yea, even save it were 30 souls who had fled in uh, to dwell with uh, Omer. So, I mean, we're talking about the destruction of a people. Because of one dysfunctional family. Because of one dysfunctional family. I mean, the father seems to be at the heart of it. Well, and his a, sons. And it's a royal family. I mean, and it's that, a royal family. So what was the what was the jealousy word that stemmed from? Was it? I think it was popularity. Wasn't popularity. popularity. Yeah. Man. Um, it seems he had a problem with his son-in-law as well. <laughs> because he sought the life of... Um, oaths and but what's interesting I mean you're only a couple verses down and and so Omer goes off and Omer has a son named Emer Emer we'll go with Emer and it says that in the uh, Emer did reign in his stead and fill in the steps of his father who was Omer and the people did prosper under Emer so I mean that to me is impressive I mean two generations ago his grandfather is a man that nearly killed everyone in the kingdom because of his wickedness and yet his grandson somehow finds a level of righteousness that the people are able to prosper under and mm-hmm. that speaks a lot uh, I think to to his character and uh, that's the kind of person I'd like to meet and find out exactly you know how do you get here you know and and um, I guess it kind of goes back to the story of that book. And if if you met somebody who had an abusive father and, and they'd never heard of Christianity, you begin to explain to them a father in heaven. You know, it's not their first response going to be, a, I've had enough of one. Why would I want another father if, if my father has treated me this way on earth? Why in the world would I want a father that is in heaven? So, um, you know, to find someone that can, like Emer, that, that lived through something like that, yet uh, find righteousness. My, my hat goes off to people like that. But that that uh, that's the story of a kiss. That's that's a bad dad. <laughs> so a story of a good dad that I like is Mormon uh, and his son Moroni. So I mean, we have a lot of respect for Mormon. I mean, he he compiled the Book of Mormon, um, and and obviously he raised his son well because he passes down that legacy to his son Moroni. Uh, but it's interesting to me that they had kind of a little bit of a long distance relationship towards him because the Nephites were in this all out war. And uh, with the Lamanites and Mormon and Moroni are separated and have to talk to each other via letters. And you know, I think at one point Mormon says, "I, I suspect this may be my last letter I get to send you." And just that relationship was kind of interesting. But when you see the type of life that Moroni led, the type of man he became, you have to be amazed at the type of father he had. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, 
had to have been a, a really good dad. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Here, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back to King Benjamin. Yeah. Okay. So uh, another thing I, I, I found that he said he, he told his people uh, was to avoid contentions. So I mean, obviously, don't fight. Don't fight with each other. You know, work stuff out. How about a father that uh, started some contention? Oh, who are you talking about? Potentially. How about in Alma chapter 19, when Alma's giving the blessing to his son Corianton, and right there near the beginning, uh, pretty much said something along the lines of, you see what your brother did, why couldn't you be more like him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know, and uh, um, I don't know. I, I I tend to think that if I tried that with my kids, or if my dad had tried that with me, like, why couldn't you be more like your sister, that that may not have gone along so well. No. But back up a generation, his father, Alma, uh, I think this is a, a testament to maybe a recovering poor dad. Uh, obviously, Alma had good things to do for the church, uh, Alma Sr. Yeah. But when you see how Alma the, Alma the Younger started out his life, you kind of, he kind of takes you back to the, the kind of the missionary example we started off with. You know, if you spend too much time you may risk losing your own children, and it almost looks like that's what happened with Alma the Younger. But uh, Alma Sr. kind of realizes his plight and uh, just goes all out in prayer, as well as yeah. is requesting the prayers of the, the whole congregation. Um, and, I mean, to such a, to such a degree, and, and you know, it's probably multifaceted, but to such a degree that um, Alma the Younger has an experience with an angel. Yeah. Uh, that you know gives him a basically a pretty dramatic choice, but in the end uh, brings Alma the younger back into the fold, and and that was um, shows the depth of love that Alma the senior had. Um, that he wasn't just distraught about his son, but he really uh, goes all out and implores God for some help. And and it, it, the angel tells him that said the Lord has heard the prayers of the people and also the prayers of of your father mm-hmm. of Alma who is your father and. Yeah, that's that's your trump card. You know, that's yeah. that's the thing we didn't mention there earlier. When the father's gone on these missionaries, you know, if that's a decision or, or there are requirements in life that cause a father to be away from their their families, that the, the power of prayer should not be underestimated. Yep. And so I, I didn't mean to gloss over that in in having that discussion because that's very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back, back to, to Benjamin. Back to King Benjamin. <laughs> uh, it, it, in this verse, he shows that he is quite the diplomat. He says. Uh, in verse 86, O oh, all ye old men, and also ye young men, and ye little children, who can understand my words, for I have spoken plain unto you that ye might understand. So when I read that, I see that he knows how to communicate with his kids on all levels, that he, he knows what he needs to say to them so that they can understand, that he won't, he won't make things complicated because they don't need to be. He'll tell them. He'll tell them straight what it needs to be, so they can do it. Mm-hmm. So he he was reading bedtime stories to his kids about uh, about <laughs> I don't know what happened. of the faith about God. Well, yeah, I mean, because let's see here. This is what like 150 years before Christ. Mm-hmm. Is that is that about uh, right? I don't know the timeline there very well. So that would make what inside of 600. Yeah. Inside of 600. That, that, Full played. <laughs> that, that, that would make right there. That, that would make the earth only about two or three thousand years old by the Bible's timeline. Is that right? 
<laughs> by some interpretations of the Bible timeline. Probably. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, because we're only about 5,000 years old, I think that's the way our planet is. That's a discussion for another day. Yeah, that's, that's not even... <laughs> oh, gosh. It's not even <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's see here. Back to King Benjamin. Let me find the next one. <laughs> he didn't let us get away very far that time. No, he, he, he really reined us back in pretty quick. It, it, it would be a lot easier to rein you guys in if I, could, <laughs> if I, if I had this thing figured, figured out the way I thought I did. Uh, let's see, because I want to make sure that when I read these verses over here, they're actually reflected in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, I don't need to really focus on the the angel. You know, do you think that the uh, the sons of Israel, the sons of Jacob, were justified in treating Joseph poorly because they essentially got them all sold into straight slavery? <sighs> they sold him into slavery, and so he sells them all into slavery <laughs> for the next 430 years? Hmm. So what was your? Or were they justified? <laughs> was he justified? Are any know. of us justified? <laughs> it certainly seems to have come out in the wash now, didn't it? Actually, it seems that the generations after them paid the price for. Yeah, isn't that the case though? That um, you know, our kids pay for our mistakes in many case, in many times oh, yeah. as parents. Uh, and, Social security. <laughs> and our grandkids and their grandkids pay yeah. for Social. I mean. Uh, it just kind of adds, it dumps a bunch of extra weight on your shoulders yeah. to be a good dad when you realize that when you screw up, not only are your kids going to pay for it, but yeah. quite possibly their kids too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so back to King Benjamin. And this, little, this is the last thing that, that I always remember King Benjamin by. And it's, it's quoted very often, is, and it's that when you're in the service of others, you are in the service of God. And I, I think that is... That is a very important thing that you can teach your children, that when you help others, you are helping God. You know, I think that um, one of the things that I, I think we'd be um, remiss if we didn't kind of tag here before we end is that even though we're talking about fathers and we've, we've talked about some good dads and some bad dads, uh, you know, here on the table, we've had good dads and uh, are the better for it. But for those who... You know, daily perhaps struggle with um, the memories or the legacy of a of a bad dad. I think that it's it's good to note that God has made a way for us to have a relationship with Him, not only as a father but also as a friend. Mm-hmm. And that if if uh, if you if where we are in our lives is that we need a friend instead of a father, that God can be that for us, and uh, He's able to meet us where we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as a reminder, I hope all, oh, everybody... Here, here's a great dad joke. Okay, go ahead. All right. All right. So this is, this is a joke that we'll, we'll give out to all dads. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon while Moses, Jesus, and another guy were out playing golf. On the first tee box, Moses pulls out, pulls out his driver and blisters a shot right up the side of the fairway, rolling fast towards the water hazard. Moses quickly raises his club, parting the water while his ball rolls through the water hazard to the other side safely. Next up on the tee, Jesus is a really long drive towards the very same water hazard. His ball comes to rest dead center of the pond. Hovering just over the surface of the water, Jesus carefully walks out onto the pond and chips it up onto the green within a couple feet of the flag stick. Not impressed. Third guy steps up to the tee, without taking any time to adjust, randomly whacks the ball. Rightfully so, the ball is hit with a nasty hook and clears 
that clears the left OB markers and goes straight over the fence into oncoming traffic. It bounces off of a truck's windshield, hitting a nearby tree, bounces onto the roof of the greenkeeper's shed, back onto the fairway and towards the same pond that Jesus and Moses hit. Before it gets wet, the ball ricochets off of a small rock, bounces onto a lily pad, and over the water and into the bull... And then a bullfrog jumps up and ate the ball. Right at that moment, a bald eagle swoops down and grabs a frog, flying away as it flew over the green. The frog squeals with fright and drops the ball right next to the flagstick taking one bounce and landing in the cup for an astounding hole-in-one. In disgust, Moses turns to Jesus and says, I hate playing with your dad. <laughs> All right. Nice one. Are we going to do announcements? Oh, what what are announcements are you going to make? Well, just a reminder that uh, in the next couple of weeks, probably within the next month, um, we will be starting out our Book of Mormon read-along. So if you are interested... Uh, let us know and you can be part of the show next time we'll be talking about the effects of perestroika on the fall of the Soviet Union stay tuned don't forget to send in your membership dues it's that time again okay yes and they're going to be doubling this next year so pay up soon alright until we are together at last in Zion with our dads let us remain Zion bound